Welcome back to The Talk, the podcast about Nordic entrepreneurship from Nordia Private Banking. I'm Walter Nesland, and today we are going to talk about one of my favorite subjects, wine. And with me, I have a person from Denmark who has sold wine for more than a quarter billion US dollars last year alone. He has a database with ratings of more than 10 million wines, billions of scanned wine labels, and receives half a million more every day. He's also an amazing entrepreneur with a great YouTube channel that you might want to check out called Raw Startup, where he shares his best tips and ideas. Here is the co-founder and CEO of Vivino, Heine Zachariasen. What is your favorite wine? So, you know, working like I do, I have to be a little bit careful saying that, right? We're an independent source of wine information. So, so I never talk about that. But I, what I will say is that, you know, I've lived in California for many years. I've enjoyed a lot of sort of West Coast wine, like, you know, California caps, but also Oregon Pinots I've enjoyed very much. And in Europe, there's so much good stuff, but I really do have a passion for champagne lately, I must say. Yeah. And one particular grape from uh, what I understand that the AI told you. Yes. So that was quite interesting, right? Um, because I didn't really know this because I didn't know that much about uh, about champagne. Uh, but it turns out that the AI said to me, by the way, you should really drink more Pinot Noir champagnes and less Chardonnay champagnes because you just prefer those. And I never realized that. I was thinking, why is this? Why is the AI saying this one's good for me and this one's not? And realized that it was actually the difference in the grapes, which was kind of cool. You've sold more than a quarter billion dollars worth of wine last year. What has made Vivino so incredibly successful? Yeah, I think it's a it's a good it's a, always a good question. What is it? But but the thing that we have, and when this pandemic once hit, was that we had this massive uh, community that's very very engaged, right? So we have over fifty million uh, users on the platform already, and when the time came to say, hey. Uh, we're now in a pandemic, we need to start changing our habits. A lot of them came to us and said, you know what, when I'm going to start buying wine, I'm going to go do it through Vivino. And then we just have an incredibly interesting product when it comes to buying wine. We have 800 different providers all over the world, which means people have this unique selection and we help them obviously find the right wine. It's all about, you know, going back to when I started the company, help people pick the right wine. And that's the same thing now. It was a supermarket in, in 2010, and now it's about buying a wine. It's the same thing, buy the right wine. And that's not what you said in the beginning. And from, from what I understand, or you know, obviously it's of necessity, you didn't have the database. You had to exactly. say something else. And you said, yes. never forget another wine. Exactly, exactly. It actually, if you want to take that, it's like a, a triple, triple journey thing. First, it was remember, because that was all we could. And then we got better, and then we used the word reference, which means, hey, all the ratings and so on. And then the third stage we're at now is recommendation, right? So it's like going backwards into the future. Uh, that's sort of the journey we've been on. So, so, so yeah, we had to – I think that's an interesting thing, right? If you build a product, um, you have to sell whatever you have. And if you don't have it, find something else to sell until you get what you really want to have. It's such an intimidating thing to start a company like yours. I would just imagine – saying to people, okay, we're going to recommend you the right wine. And you know that there are millions of wines, right? You have what? You have 10 million wines in your database Yes, now? yeah. From 200,000 yeah. producers and 1.5 billion pictures of wine labels. No, pictures, unique pictures. How, how many pictures? 1.5 billion. So it's a lot, right? It's a crazy amount, yeah. 
But I think when you, when you talk about the intimidation, I think there's one story that I think is interesting is when you build something like this in the early days, you have to be good at failing. Uh, my my co-founder, Thijs, he's probably the only baseball fan in, in Europe. And baseball has that. To be a fantastic baseball player, uh, you have to be good at failing because you fail most of the time. But we get better and better. And it's very, very satisfying, but it's difficult in the beginning, especially if you like things like perfect or good, then it, it's hard. Yeah, and I remember I, I used I started using Vivino fairly early. I think uh, I remember a lot of times in the beginning you got this note that okay we don't we don't have that wine we don't re- don't recognize that wine let our experts look into it. Yeah, this was crucial for compensating for the lack of data and technology we had. Right. So so when when someone uses your product, it's a trade off, right? And we tried to balance that out a little bit better by giving you a little bit more that we couldn't deliver in the product. But that yeah, and that was really impressive. I, I think it was one of the smartest ways I've ever seen to say that okay, we can't, the product doesn't work basically, you know, uh, exactly. yet yet. Uh, but we'll <laughs> yeah. do this by hand, and it feels like you're it's such a VIP treatment. So you you kind of still find it even cooler almost. Yeah, yeah. People are impressed by the wow. Somebody actually looked at my label and and did something. Uh, I'm gonna give this another shot, right? And, yeah. and it's something like with with resources in India and so on. This is something you can do in the early stage. So, do you think that? And I think that this is probably a big question. But whenever you start something, you you kind of want to see how you can make things better in the world. And I know that you've said that we don't we want people to be able to drink better wine, but there's only so much good wine in the world, right? So what I'm thinking is that the end game for Vivino is that you will actually improve the overall quality of wine in the world. What do you think yeah. of that? No, I totally agree. And I don't necessarily agree with there's only so much good wine in the world. Because when I say uh, drink better wine, I mean at every single level, right? So if you like to drink eight euro wines, we'll find the best wine for eight euros, right? So it's always relative. And and what I, you know, the guys that just, you know, do some horrible bulk wine, put some label on there and just try and make money. Well, get them out of the supermarket, get them out of sustainable agate. You see this wall of wine. And the only way to make a decision is to look at the label. Is there a funny yellow fish on the label and the price? That's all you had. And it meant that people could make a lot of money selling not so fantastic wines. And we wanted to change that. And I think that's a great end game you know, for all of us wine lovers. And I've also seen your search wine search uh, feature that launched fairly recently. It's not that old, right? No, you mean the like the explore when you go red and cap and so exactly, on and so forth. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a couple of years ago uh, now, but yeah. I, yeah, I that's a passion product of mine. I love that thing. Yeah, I I, I do too. It fits me perfectly. Uh, the the only thing is in in Sweden where I live, we have we have uh, we have sustainable logged, right? We have a monopoly. I've heard about uh, it. <laughs> you've heard about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and I mean there are a lot of good things to say about sustainable logged for sure. And part of what they do well is that they have the same passion, in, in, at least when you're inside the store that you have to to make you know, help me drink better wine. But what do you think that you can add to to sustainable logged features? Um, for me as a wine lover? Well, I think th- I think there's a lot. Obviously, we have a lot more data than they do. Uh, they have sales data from Sweden. You know, we have a rating on every single wine in the world. We have tasting notes. We we also know a lot about the uh, about the user that walks into Sustainable Agate, meaning, hey, I know what you like, and let's try and pair that with whatever is on the shelf so you get the best possible wine. And what's the relationship to Sustainable Agate? I, I, I heard there are some... some, uh, <laughs> some- 
<laughs> some issues, discussions. Well, if somebody's suing you, what does that mean about the law? <laughs> so I guess it's not great. So um, no, the, the situation is that uh, they've sued us uh, saying that what we do is illegal. Um, we do what people have done in Sweden for the past uh, tens of years. Uh, but they've decided, and it could be political, I don't know, but they've decided that they want to challenge this in court. And we've been in the courts for the past uh, over a year. And we had the first instance come out very clearly in our favor. Um, and so, so that's done, but, but then they appealed it right away. So we're going back up to the, to the next instance. We, we're pretty sure that, that what we do is fully legal. It's been done for many years. Uh, uh, so, so we think we're right, but I also understand that Stimbolag, they might want to test this and, uh, and that's okay. It's annoying, but, but that's fine. I guess uh, Sweden is not the biggest market, right? The U.S. is probably the biggest market for you guys. Yes. U.S. is about half of our, our sales. So it's a, it's a smaller market. Uh, but it's been a really, you know, for its size, a really, really good market for us. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about all that data, because that's so interesting. I, I had um, uh, Johan Atby from Fishbrain on uh, yep, a while ago. The, the thing with them is that they've collected so much data about fishing now that nobody can ever catch up with them. And they know everything about every type of lure and every water and every weather. And uh, that reminds me a lot of what you do. You, you also yep. have the best data in the world about wine by far, and um, you should be able to start seeing really interesting things, I, I would imagine. Like when, when does a wine, when will a wine peak, for example? Exactly. Johan and I have something interesting in common, actually. Uh, and it is that, you know, I love wine, but I'm not a wine expert and sort of built the product for me. Johan, maybe he's now, but was not an avid fisher when he started the company, right? And I think that's super interesting too. It's the it's the eyes of the outsiders sometimes they can see, hey, why don't you do this in a different way and so on. And like you say, he's built a, a, a really, really cool uh, product there. Uh, so with the data, I think uh, we do look quite a bit at these things. It can be actually quite take up quite a lot of resources to find these things. And sometimes people say, what does the data say? Usually data doesn't say anything. You have to ask it really smart questions. Um, so when it comes to the data, we're really focused on on what we think is most important and it's the... It's the, how do we help people find better wine? How can we find correlations between um, things that you might not see? That, you know, you, you say, hey, I love caps, uh, Cabernet Sauvignons, uh, but sometimes I don't like this. And then our AI can figure out, you know what? It's this specific type, it's this specific taste that you actually like. You just don't know it yet. So I think those kinds of things are incredibly interesting to help serve our users. Yeah. With the with the weather and changes and so on, I think it might be hard to see just yet. I, I think I think we're getting more and more to a point to uh, to have so much data we can see when a wine is good to drink, when does it peak, and so on. But it just takes, and we have a lot of data, right? Uh, but looking at one specific wine year over year and figuring out exactly when it peaks, it's actually still tricky with the data we have. Yeah, I guess there will come specialized companies later on that want to uh, dip into your data and, and exactly. figure out specific exactly. things. But anyway, so ratings and reviews, that's that's the part of Vivino, of course. Yeah. And uh, how do you work with keeping up the integrity of that uh, of, of those ratings and reviews and, and the quality of them? Because, I mean, obviously there are several challenges with that well first of all yeah first of all it's incredibly important right so our company is built on trust what we look at is what comes out there we we test these ratings towards experts and so on right and it just comes out incredibly good 
and incredibly consistent. And and that's why we say, okay, if it, if it's not broken, don't don't take out errors, remove cheaters, all those things, but don't sort of uh, break the system. Um, but I think what happens when somebody drinks a Chateau Petrus or something, um, you know, they know it's a good wine. They look at it and they rate it highly, right? And and people that don't uh, drink those wines, they don't. Yeah, I mean, they wouldn't know what to do about it, but they also don't drink it, right? So if someone who's never heard about Petrus for suddenly tastes Petrus, ah, oh, this is fine, three point five. That actually rarely happens. Um, so so I'll, I'll tell you another story from when we started, because because I was wasn't always sure this was going to work, honestly. Uh, and and we had an office down at the IT University here in, in Copenhagen, and we would go down to the local supermarket, and we spent a lot of time scanning their wines uh, because we we're testing all the time, boom, boom, boom. They, uh, I'm not sure they loved us there. We, were, we hung out a lot in that supermarket. But, but the thing that worried me was as I started getting users on the app here, a lot of them got a rating between 3.7 and 3.9. So I was like, oh my God, we might have a problem here, right? If everything suddenly becomes 3.7, 3.9 over time, we're screwed. And and then what happened, what I realized was that actually the wines they had in supermarkets, like, they were within that band. They were in a price point from 40 kroner to 90 kroner. And that's usually how they rate it, right? So so it spooked me a little bit, but but I guess it was fine. I guess the the, the number the numbers play out, right? If you have a sufficiently big audience, eventually, the numbers will tell you the truth. For sure, and that that's what it's like. At least again, we we didn't know that in the beginning, but uh, but they come out like that. We we've done these analysis where we check them with Robert Parker and wine enthusiasts and so on, and uh, and the correlation is strong, and and we're a little bit more consistent. Because uh, if a single person rates a wine, even though it's the best expert in the world, it's still one person. So when we have people that when it's 20, 30, 50, maybe 100 people, even though they're not all experts, it actually becomes more consistent over time. Yeah, yeah. Do you, do you see any regional biases? Uh, we all know that the, the French love, love their French wine and, and, and so on. Yes, definitely. Uh, so, uh, for instance, like uh, Germans rate lower than the Americans, right? That makes sense, uh, but they should rate higher because it, uh, pardon my French, fucks up their industry. So um, no, it's just the way it is. They do like um, Americans rate a little bit higher than than the Germans, as an example, right? Yeah, they're optimistic. <laughs> yes, yeah, <laughs> about life. Uh, yeah, and and also I guess when you get real experts in there, that are actually wine experts. Is that weighted differently in any way, or is it no, uh, no, every exactly. one, one person, one vote? Yes. Yes, and 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 the reason for that uh, is because we we've looked at the output and and it's good, and then you don't want to mess with it, and and and, and others do it not in the wine I don't know in the wine industry, but in other industries because they have to. Um, the, the ratings are so spread out between one and five that they just have to take some of these guys. Like you, yes, you go to restaurants often, but you're not capable of rating a restaurant, and that's just that's just the way it is. So. You're not going to want to answer this question, but do you know any really good wines that are scored too low? So uh, for me, that's what it's all about. <laughs> I mean, th- this is why you should be using Mavino. It's, it's to find the fun stuff that, holy crap, this is 100 Swedish and it's a 4.1. That's hard to find. And that's where I will say like the second tap in the app where you can go in 
and just say, you know, uh, I want a I want a cab. I'm willing to pay 120 Swedish, and we'll just rank them by that. So it will find all these oddities, and it's I think that's a lot of fun to uh, to dig around. I mean, that's the sport. Like it's easy if you have money to buy something expensive, and you know it's going to be good. It's, it's there's a lot more sport in finding something that's 150 Swedish and it's incredibly good for that price. Yeah, yeah, and you don't want to give me any examples, of course. <laughs> uh, no, definitely not. You have to go and start digging. Yeah. So you did have a ton of competitors in the beginning, right? Yeah. You, you yeah. still do have competitors, but they you've kind of um, it's, it's pulled, limited. pulled away. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. And in the beginning, there you had all these competitors and and. I can see now, obviously, why you are so successful. You have all this data. But back then, what made you pull away from the pack? Uh, obviously, we've discussed this a lot, and I'm not sure we have sort of clear, clear answers. But there, there are really a couple of things that I think are important. And one of them we actually touched on before. It's knowing your customer and knowing exactly what you, what the customer wants. And like honestly, it's quite funny because you said exactly what 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 the use case is. I want to know if this wine is good or not so good. This is always what I say. Okay. The audience that we have, they want to solve one problem. This one wine I have in front of me, is it good or not so good? And then do everything you do, you focus on that. What that meant is that, hey, we focus on the data. Build data, build data, build data. It means that when you look at a wine, it's much more likely you find out if it's good or not so good. And we just kept doing that. And we we tried to ignore the noise from all these experts that want all kinds of weird stuff. This is, we were very clear that this is for people they don't have a wine cellar, but have four wines sitting on the kitchen table. That's our audience. And I guess you named that. <laughs> I, I, I guess we got there in the end. Yeah, thank you. So, uh, what about what about you? You you have you you're uh, obviously an entrepreneur. This is not your first company uh, that you've started. Uh, it's uh, is it your second or third company? Yeah, it's second. It's it's third, but it's second big one. I would say that like the thing we did before was in security, and and I didn't start it. I came in very early, and we built that to a pretty decent sized company. It's called Bullguard, and it, it's still around. So, so I learned a lot there. That's for sure. So, so yeah, definitely a serial entrepreneur. And uh, and with Vivino now, uh, if you heard that we had a stint where we did hire a CEO, couldn't get it to work. I stepped in again. And now we've found a new CEO, and he just started a couple of days ago. Uh, so, so uh, I'm gonna f- are phasing out a CEO, and then we'll see what my role will be in the future there. But I want to do something else too, at least, right? But, but I think you know somehow Levine is probably gonna be my. Uh, I think the, the uh, in Danish it's Liebswerk. It, I think it's Lebenswerk or something in German. And li- your life's work. I mean, what's what's gonna be on your on your gravestone, right? Yeah, I, I saw that you you uh, you left as a CEO, and um, what what was the reasoning behind that? I think I think the company had gotten to a certain size, and and uh, what I was doing wasn't necessarily what I liked the most and what I'm best at. Um, and and then we found a person that like had scaled a marketplace like this one in a big way before, and we thought, well, I mean, when I think about what I've done in my life and how I've hired people, finding people that have tried something before and are much better than I am. You know, it's one of the reasons why you're successful, right? Because you find other people that, that know how to do things. And unfortunately, it didn't work with that person for all kinds of reasons. But uh, but, but it, building a startup with one, two, three, four, five, even up to 100 people is very, very different from building something at scales. And you now we're almost 300 people. And maybe it'll be 1,000 people before you know it, right? So it's just such a different job. And part a lot of that job is not something I'm either good at or think is that fun. Yeah, somebody's told me once that the best CEOs are the ones that truly, truly love their product. 
Yeah, I definitely and I guess, do that. I guess now you're back. And <laughs> yeah, oh no, I do love, I do love the product. I, I'm, I'm incredibly proud of what we built, and I think sometimes the engineer engineers think i hate the product because i bitch so much about it but but it's because i love it and it's a fun world too right it's like uh, you know some people love music and they love working with music we just they can be in that world and in uh, you know wine is a fun world yes for sure the other thing i want to say i'm passionate about is generally startups right i just like all this community that has given me so much you know giving back there and so on one of the things i did when i stopped uh, the first time around was I did this YouTube channel um, about startups and, and guiding startups. So I did this thing called the Raw Startup, which is on YouTube, and actually starting to get a little bit of traction, honestly, uh, which I think is, you know, not that many people watch them, but it's incredibly satisfying. It's it's so much fun. Yeah, no, it's it's great. I, I really have to, if, if if you haven't seen or listened to that YouTube channel, uh, dear listener, please do, because it's really worthwhile. Thank you. No, I mean, I, and I think I, you have a ton of good advice, uh, of course, on starting businesses. And you've you've done one first where you made all your big mistakes, probably. Right? Yeah, and, and you keep doing it, you get better and better. It's, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's fun. Europe is incredibly hard. Like, do, making videos is just really, really difficult. Uh, but it's so satisfying when it works a little bit. Well, Heine, um, I, I don't want to take too much of your time because I want you to get back out there and help me find better wines. So I just want to thank you so much for coming on. And uh, this was super valuable. I know we have a lot more to talk about and I really uh, would like to, to uh, get back together again sometime and, and, and chat a bit more. I would love that. It's been great fun. Thank you very much for having me on. Thank you so much for listening to The Talk, the podcast about Nordic entrepreneurship from Nordia Private Banking. I'm Walter Neslund, and I'm very much looking forward to seeing you soon here again. Bye-bye now.